we say amazing things at funerals and we do amazing things at funerals, but we sometimes we don't do it in advance. And I think that that's something that's pretty powerful and I love the concept. I, I just, I can't even put into words how grateful I am for everything that she did for me. Oh my God, yes. I'm so glad you two did this. And, you know, every day is not a guarantee. We are the pallbearers of positivity. She knows her worth and her value. And she doesn't let anybody walk over that in any kind of way. I have behaved myself. I have done everything I was supposed to and it's still not enough. You're there. Like, there is nothing more to achieve. Like, right now, you are the person that you thought you wanted to be in your obituary. Like, you're already that woman. Y'all are amazing. I'm obsessed with the both of you. Folks, this is Beth and I's very first podcast. And we just wanted to kind of give you a caveat uh, of sorts or a warning uh, that this might not be our best tech work. I mean, obviously, we're perfect in so many ways, but IT is not one of them. And so lucky for us, one of us married well uh, when it comes to IT. Right. We both married well for other reasons. But Mark is really good at IT. And even with all of his help, we still managed to screw a bunch of stuff up. So bear with us on this one. But if you like the concept and the gist, like we are mastering this now, bear with us. We're going to kick all the ass. We're also very quick learners as teachers. So we are really, we've already upgraded. Please see these beautiful mics. Um, so we're less echoey. We know there's some echo. We hope that you can um, sort of soldier through that. I have to say, like, we were so ambitious. We uh, plan so much. So this is not just a podcast where we're just sitting and talking into our microphone. This is a podcast where we're also including video. It's a podcast where we're interviewing tons of people from all over the place, either in our studio or virtually. It's a podcast where we have to create a video, bring somebody into the studio, show them that video, then edit their reactions over the, like, I'm exhausted already. Like, it's it, it has been so much. It's been incredibly worthwhile and has brought us so much joy, but also lots of frustration. So if we had, if we just could create a podcast of, of how long it spent us, it took us rather. It's been us a long how time. Long, we're spent. How long we spent figuring out all the cords on this table where to plug everything in, how to get everything recording. I mean, we would probably have 15 hours of content at this point. So um, we've had a lot of fun learning and we hope that you uh, will give us some grace and bear with us as we try to figure this out. It's been such a beautiful experience to talk to all these people. Um, and we hope a little bit of echo won't drive you away. We do hope that. And we also hope that, again, remember, Beth and I don't really half-ass things. So like we jumped in and full-assed this in a way that maybe we should have Half-assed for a minute. Half-assed yeah, for like, a little bit. Like, how can we make this harder for ourselves? Oh, I know. Yeah. We'll add lots of things. We'll but... add a reaction video after the fact. Yeah. That sounds fun. We're um, on yeah. it, though. We promise. <laughs> Bear with us. We love you. Yes. And you love us. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you'll come back. Those of you who know us in real life may know. We swear a little bit. We drink casually. Unfortunately, we did not stop either of those habits while recording this episode. So, if you are under 18 or do not wish to see us drinking a little bit of champagne here and there and saying some naughty words. So if you're a sailor, jump on board because we drink and swear. Beth in Virginia, back at it uh, again with love, joy, a little bit. Our signature never to be duplicated dynamic amounts of moxie with a profoundly serious twist this time, folks. We like some twists.
we like serious. Nobody thought we were going to go serious. Here we are. I mean, we go serious a lot. We actually talk about a lot of deep shit, but we do. Um, but this is fun and profound. Focused on non-toxic positivity, embracing life's goodness, and spreading love and hilarity because <laughs> us. Uh, so over the summer, you, some of you may know I lost my brother. So I wanted to start cherishing my loved ones while they're here to appreciate it. And we, Beth and I, want you to do the same. We should not wait until it's far too late because I will never know if my brother knows how much he meant to me or all the things that he provided for me in my life. Um, and I mean, I'm the one that's alive, so I have to live with that. But also, um, I wish I had told him. And Beth, my co-host, sister in crime, the Batman to my Robin, uh, has unfortunately also faced immense loss and frustration getting caught in the mind space of what could have been said or what should have been done. So together, we are determined to kind of turn that around for other folks and save you from that. Yeah. Save it. Um, determined to spread that non-toxic positivity to the world in a way that holds space for imperfection. Like none of us are perfect while amplifying the awesome and helping folks remember to talk to people so you don't end up talking about them when it's too late. Dr. Savage, no, not Dr. Savage, Beth and I have uh, tackled some heavy, and I do mean like super heavy topics for like 13 years with our degrees and specialties and all the letters at the end of our names. And we've used snark and wit and charm and all of those things. Uh, so we are going to serve up some succulent serotonin, drop lots of delightful dopamine, and offer up some outrageous oxytocin. I wonder what was going to come with that. Outrageous oxytocin. Um, Essentially, all of the feel-good emotions are serotonin for some mood regulation, some dopamine for some pleasure, and oxytocin is the trust and bonding. Um, And so, yeah, we got some of that. That sounds like a pretty bold claim. Um, Yeah, we can do that because this stuff, no shit, is literally more contagious than the flu. Uh, All of these things boost our energy, reduce our stress, promote happiness, and so much more. So if you're into science, check the show notes for some peer-reviewed journal articles. And if you're less nerdy, maybe some enjoyable, less annoying links. But seriously, we are here to give and get the good stuff. And that's what keeps us going and hopefully you. Here at Welcome to Your Funeral, we are all about celebrating unique beauty while people can still soak it up. Our goal is to give everyone a chance to reevaluate, re-engage with life, and lift other spirits along the way. In a world that's incredibly quick to judge, let's take a moment to celebrate people, judgment-free, from our besties to perfect strangers. Did you know, Savage, that serotonin is contagious? I did know that. And that dopamine feels like a warm hug? I did know that. Like Olaf style. Hearing feel-good stories uh, can brighten your day, even if it's someone else's good story. The basic formula here at Welcome to Your Funeral is a two-part process. Part one. We bring our guest somewhere dark and creepy, um, sometimes a cemetery, sometimes their place of work, depending on how creepy and dark it might be. And we have them write their own obituary. Sounds creepy, yes? Sounds depressing, yeah. Yeah, it is not as depressing as you think, or as they think, or as anyone thinks, because it is actually a way to self-reflect and figure out where your priorities are and if you need a little bit of a realignment. And also think about the people who mean the most to you uh, and how and why uh, 
they do that. Part two, we bring the guest back uh, to our beautiful studio, which you can kind of sort of see, but not really. Uh, and we throw them a funeral. Uh, we could call it a wake, but it's way more fun to throw them a funeral. Uh, and what happens is, in the meantime, between obituary writing and returning to our studio, Beth and I have contacted lots of friends and family members mm -hmm. and have them give eulogy-like comments uh, about the individual that we're focusing on, in a way to celebrate them while they're here. So, our first guest and the first person that we decided was welcome to your funeral worthy, well, no judgment, uh, was our friend Siobhan. And so that's the gist of our process, the sweet dance of life and death. Allow me to enlighten you by letting Beth introduce our friend Siobhan. Allow me to enlighten you. Yeah, I guess I'm not going to enlighten you. Yeah. All right. So for our very first podcast, our inaugural podcast, so it feels weird to say that, like we have a podcast. Um, we are going to have our little wake or our funeral um, for someone who wears a whole lot of hats. She's an artist, a professor, uh, a mentor. She's a leader in our local community um, and a mommy. And we'll talk a little bit about that as well. And she um, has a Vespa. And she has a Vespa, which she will completely like um, renovate. What's the word I'm looking for? No, not rejuvenate. Regime. I know. Right? Like it's not her skin. It's not a skincare regime. No. Um, rebuild. She rebuilt it basically yeah. like, like because of YouTube. So anyway, she knows what she's doing. Um, so Siobhan is someone who has a ton of energy, uh, both, and you'll see that when you see videos of her later, um, both in her career as an artist and as a professor. Uh, she really loves to take risks with her art. So she never does the same thing twice. She's always trying new photo processes, new ways to tell stories in the world. And they're always stunning. And she is um, an award-winning artist for uh, a lot of that work. She's showing, I think, in three or four different cities just at the same time right now. Um, and we'll post a link to her work in the show notes as well so you can check her out. Um, she also encourages her students to take risks. And this is what I think is, is great about her as well is it's not just something she lives in her private life. She encourages her students to take risks, to fail, and to try again so they get that confidence and build that confidence up. Um, she does warn them against the threats of perfectionism, uh, not trying to be perfect as you're trying these new processes and trying new ways to be creative. She also warns them against the numbing boredom of being average. I am so average. That's where I was going with that. Um, so she's mentored tons of students through not only academic, but personal challenges. And if you've ever been a teacher, you know that it never stops with just the academic. Um, she's also been um, a steady hand and a selfless support to people who don't have someone else to fill that role. So really, one of the things we hear about her, and you'll hear about her in this episode, is how she knows exactly what people need and steps up for them um, in those moments. Uh, to her friends, she is a superhero. And you'll hear that. I think at one point she was like, I didn't hear anything negative in this episode. And I'm like, literally no one had anything negative to say. Just calm down. You're the only one who has something negative to say. Um, she's always up for any kind of ridiculous quest or uh, going out to do something absolutely outrageous just to try it. She really lives life to the fullest. Um, it was so nice to get to hear about so many of her shenanigans on the show as we interviewed uh, some of her friends and family members. And I have to tell you, uh, you need to really get ready for that serotonin surge that Virginia was talking about because her people went all in 
for her and with good reason. I think you're going to really enjoy meeting Siobhan today. And I'm so grateful that she is our first victim on this podcast. So the first thing that happened when we got Siobhan into our beautiful studio is we really wanted to reflect on that experience of taking Siobhan to the graveyard uh, unannounced, right, without her knowing where she was going and having her sit down and write an obituary. So right after she wrote that obituary, uh, she came to us and we had a conversation about what that process was like. And so we wanted to remind Siobhan in the moment with all that emotion, uh, how she had reacted to writing that obituary. And I think it's important to remind everyone uh, or to tell everyone, because you probably don't know yet, that Siobhan agreed to be on this. She's our very first victim uh, of our wake. And she said, we said, can you help with this, with a, help us with a project? And she said, absolutely, whatever you guys are doing, I'm in. And she didn't ask any questions. And so um, <laughs> she's a very trusting soul. Uh, don't use that against her. So I told her, you know, today someone is going to arrive at your home and take you to an undisclosed location. I didn't tell her who it was or where they were taking her. And she was like, cool, cool, cool. I'll be ready. So uh, Virginia's husband, Mark, dropped her at the cemetery gave her this envelope and just abandoned her there <laughs> to write her own obituary. So it was definitely kind of a stark and startling experience. But as always, she was very uh, full of grace about it and very open to the experience. So the first thing we did was have her watch that video of her initial reactions uh, to writing her obituary that day. And now we're going to share them with you. I think I started crying before even Mark <laughs> <laughs> That was intense in a way that was like, it was good. It was definitely really good. It was really reflective. Like it was almost like two years of therapy in like half an hour. Who is going to miss you the most? And I was like, oh God, auto response is like your daughters. And, but part of me was like, oh shit, I really think Megan is going to miss me the most. Like my little sister. Because I was thinking, I was like, oh my God, she knew me as a kid, as a teenager. She calls me out at like holiday get togethers where she's like, that was your fucking fake laugh. Like <laughs> she knows me in a way that no one else does. Megan knows when I'm lying. Megan knows when I'm nervous. Megan, like, we always laugh at like we're each other's best friends in that way. But it was like. Yeah, like, I feel like she would, like, I would miss her, like, more than life itself if I didn't have her. Really good. I feel empowered. Um, oh my god, yes. I'm so glad you two did this. And, you know, every day is not a guarantee. And so I think that that is a really big thing, because we always look at it as an outside thing, that this was really nice to say, like... Oh, you might not wake up tomorrow. What have you not done? What have you not done? And then with the daughters thing, like I started thinking about, I want them to miss me, but I don't want them to paralyze themselves from it. Like, I am here to train them how to be the best versions of themselves, and I hope they see that, but I don't want them to, like, miss me or long for me in that way. So I was like, okay, I don't, I want them, I want to get them to a point. So it's like, yeah, I can't die anytime soon. Like, I have to get them to that point where I'm like, okay, you are formed humans. Like, I trust you going out to conquer the world now. Um, and Mark, my husband, is very sweet. Um, 
and he is my boy scout like he is someone who i think would terribly miss me but he's only had me from like age 26 on so it's like very different I don't know why that was like very emotional, but like thinking of that, like get to be your true self with, and who do you get to actually like, who, what is the genuine self? You know, I, I don't even think my daughters get to see that, um, because I don't want them to, they have to experience that on their own. Like the whole like female, like, you know, just everything of my doubts and my fears. I'm like, you're going to have your whole set. You don't need my baggage too. Like, so they get the censored version of me in that way. So that was kind of an intense question. The distractions or derailment to your life was um, um, that was kind of reflective because I think I am my own worst enemy. I think most people are their own worst enemies, and the idea of being a people pleaser and a perfectionist, and so that was like something that I think I'm actually going through a renaissance right now, um, which I hate that it took me into my 40s to come up to, but it. It was. So I think that this was perfect at the right time and everything because it is like, why am I waiting to get a tattoo? Why, why did I never put a purple streak in my hair? Why did I always want to be like perfect and want my parents to approve? I've definitely spent too much money on ordering. I'm waiting for packages to come in. Like, should I wear this shirt? Should I wear this? Should I look this? I want to look like this. I want to be comfortable, but I want to be this. And it's like, that still feels like the mask, like who we truly are. Like, it was really nice to have that moment and say like, yeah, this is what I'm, this is, why waste any more time? I'm much crying. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, I feel like I've become a very crying person recently, but I think that's a good thing. I think it's one of those like ideas of like, I have held so much in being a mom and a, like an artist and this and that, and like trying to be professional in the same way that it has been really difficult to like know what flavor ice cream you actually fucking like, because God forbid if someone is like, ew, gross, like that still matters. Like, and I, I think that that was really nice and refreshing having that kind of those questions there. I have behaved myself. I have done everything I'm supposed to, and it's still not enough. People are going to judge you no matter what. Like, they're just going to judge you. If you're not a size six, you're not this, that I am so happy I did this. This was like so meaningful for me. And I was like trying to explain to them, like, I've thought about this for 20 years. It's been the same design. Like, why did I never do it? This is me. Like, I want it front and center. It has been really empowering. I feel like I've always liked those memes and stuff where it was like, oh yeah, I'm a strong, powerful woman. I am this, I am this. And I'm like, yeah, but now I actually feel like it, but it's not the way I thought it was going to feel. Like, it just is like, like <laughs> no thanks. Like, and I'm, It's not that I'm not fighting. I'm just fighting differently, yeah. I think now, where I think a lot of it is about self-preservation, where I'm finally getting to figure out who, the, who I am. Initial graveyard video. So we took that video, of course, right after Siobhan wrote her obituary and she had no idea that she was A, being taken to a graveyard, B, who was taking her there and see what she was going to do there. So we just really strung that on her and she was the best sport. She really was like, I trust you guys. I'll do whatever you want me to do. Um, so after she wrote that obituary, we had that um, immediate uh, reflection on um, the 
that initial video and how she felt really in the moment after writing that obituary. Um, then we forced her, because we're meta like this, to reflect on the reflection. Uh, but first, they were demanding more champagne from me. I am apparently the bartender. I did not sign up for that role, but apparently I had it. I'm pretty sure um, it's in your contract. I'm pretty sure that I uh, am not the one to be the bartender. As you can see, if you watch the video, I almost fell out of my chair uh, picking up that champagne bottle. Then I knocked over my entire mic setup, which you can see we have much better ones now. Uh, and then I took a court to the ear because this episode is all about sacrificing for your art. So I hope you enjoy hearing her reflect on the reflection and drinking that champagne that I really sacrificed for. Um, yeah. Okay. No, like right in it. What's wrong? Oh, we need to just turn this. Sorry, sorry. Cheers. You know, Jesus Christ. Also, no. Oh. I'm the fucking clown in the studio. <laughs> I think the funny thing is, um, you can never, like, escape yourself. You can never get away from yourself. Like, the first thing I started looking at was, like, can you please sit up straight? Can you, like, is your, like, can you hold your head, like, when you're actually talking to people and not have, like, this waddle thing? So, I, it, it was hard, because, and then, again, you're reflecting on how meta this is, but, like, I'm sitting there judging myself. I'm watching myself talk, and I'm, like... Get it together, bitch. <laughs> Hold it together. Like, make sure you're not saying anything too, like, exposing. Make sure you're not, like... And that's just that that kind of, set, you know, checks and systems where, like... Even, like, I, I love that you ladies are doing this because it is incredibly eye-opening of how we censor ourselves to behave or conform and fit into a model. Oh, cool. I'm so glad that was fun on film. I'm just going to hear you. I can't hear you because I have a cork in my ear. One time my friend Ursula sabered off the top at her wedding, but was even better. Thank you. I was trying to protect Took one for the team. That's what happened right there. I was trying to protect you from that cork. And I started them first. Please, 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 world. I'm trying to say. Hey, okay, my mom. Please understand. So I think that that, that I, I definitely want to note that, that I sat there like silently judging myself while watching myself on a video. So my big question about those realizations you had is, have you kept up that level of like, fuck it? I think so. Because, so I, I think this is another comic that had mentioned, like, Oh my God, what, you, you have this really crazy intense drive all of a sudden. It has been amazing to be selfish, uh, in, especially within my artwork. Like I go to the roof every morning at 7.30. I get the, I go back out at eight o'clock at night. I take them off. Like I am definitely putting myself first a little bit more, which has been wonderful. It has also, I think, been great in cutting out bad connections or cutting out connections that are not feeding me the way they were. And then also just recently reconnecting with people I had not, I just reconnected with one of my dearest friends who I had not physically seen in the flesh for 13 years. And it was like, she said it best that it was almost like just yesterday. Like it was wonderful to actually find, like have that connection again as if no time had actually left. Um, 
so I think that this really has been a kind of an awakening. Uh, not in the like, I'm not walking into a lake and like, <laughs> but uh, an awakening in the idea that I am remembering that I am a value and that, you know, I am not, I was not created to be in service of other people. Like there, there is a very unique balance, I think, especially falling into the archetype of being a woman and being trained to be helpful. Um, that I, I am slowly letting go of this idea of making sure I always have the appearance of being perfect. Cause even as I just said, like looking at that video, I'm like, Oh my gosh, like my neck looks so strange. Like yeah, where I'm like, you should sit up. And I'm like, who taught me that? Who, I mean, I know as a photographer ways to pose people for like lyrical lines and stuff, but like that was me in my natural element. And it's very nice to have sat with both of you and be in that vulnerable state and expose myself in that way because I feel like that's something that we don't get to do unless you are with some of your most intimate friends or even family members. As you get older, you tend to start tiptoeing because it becomes a competition of like, hey, how's your 401k? Hey, how are you? Like where you you start to prove that you have made your life worthy either with material possessions or wealth accumulation or knowledge and it's no longer about joy. And I think that that has been a really big switch for me to be slightly selfish and just start making myself happy. Um, maybe it's a midlife crisis or maybe it's this, you know, funeral that I got, I got to, to experience. experience. So, so one thing I have to say is we cannot take total credit because your renaissance started before this. So as much as I want to take credit, you had already started. Um, like there was a certain break where you were like, no, I'm not doing this anymore. Um, I'm going to focus on my art. I'm going to clash our glasses and say, I'm going to take credit for it, but that's cool. You don't have to. I was attacked. I think a lot of it had to do with there was, you know, this was a very stressful situation um, at my job. And it was, you know, you can only pivot so many times where you've actually created a really deep circle. Um, and you've got that one foot anchored and... I think that that was an incredibly eye-opening experience trying to fight for other people, but then realizing like I had not fought for myself and on paper, I was very accomplished. Um, and I think Virginia had even said it when uh, she was reflecting on an obituary, like I, I, it was like a CV, like I had created the perfect CV, but if you met me, I was just tired and I was exhausted and I had put everything front and foremost to on paper be this like full professor that every parent would be so proud of and loved and look at her. She's great. And then I was like, Oh my God, like, ah. like I haven't made work in seven years. Like, and I, I know when I have that time and that space to express, like I'm really good at that. Like that is something that I do get a lot of, um, confidence from when I actually get those goals but it, I, 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 I think there was a big stop of approval um, right before this event happened with you two um, that I was just sick of it I was just tired of what I was supposed to be and so I mean this was it was nice that you like the timing was perfect to be reflective and realize oh you don't have to have the best relationships with everyone you can actually cut people out of your life you can actually like make active choices to only talk to people 
want your mom. Or you can put yourself first and say, hey, I'm flying to Chicago. Or, hey, I am... I'm going to go do this and I am going to not guiltily get a babysitter so that I can go make work, even though it's work that I am not being paid for. It is work that I want to do. Um, so I think, and also acknowledging that I have anxiety, acknowledging that, you know, I have these thoughts and that I am, I'm human. Like I am not perfect. I am not this like idea. But then also figuring out where that idea was even implanted from. Like where, because again, raising daughters, especially in this day and age, it's, oh my gosh. You know, it is, yeah. it's a lot. I think when you realize how much pressure was put on you and how you can change and make them independent. So I think, um, I really am fearful that of having you as our first episode, because I think it's going to be downhill from here not in the quality of human beings but you are so you are so vulnerable as you said like you were really really open in a way that i think i mean if i had gone through that experience myself like i'm basically asking people to do something i could never do um and writing that obituary and being that reflective and open because i'm terrified to be that vulnerable and so i think this worked for you because you were willing to take risks and and be vulnerable I agree because I don't think I would be my friend anymore if that had happened to me. So uh, we just want to introduce you to the people who come to Siobhan's funeral or wait to talk about her and um, celebrate her. So one of the people who's come is Laura and Laura is the, actually the godmother to Siobhan's older daughter, Eva. And Laura met Siobhan through work. So they are work colleagues that became very, very close. Another person who joined us was Mark, and Mark is Siobhan's husband. Uh, they have been married for quite some time, and he had some beautiful things to say. It was stunning. It was absolutely beautiful. It was amazing. We, that was a late night recording, we, and Virginia and I both left the studio just like in tears, but also like, would our husbands ever say those kinds of things? Mine would not. Mine absolutely not. Absolutely would. not. Oh, would he? Okay. He would. I'll take your word for it. Mm. Um, and so along with Mark, we got some words from Siobhan's two daughters. She has two children, um, these beautiful daughters, and they, like all of our children, are kind of running around, you know, doing their thing, but says such beautiful things about their mother and the time that they spent with us. So yeah. they will also weigh in at Siobhan's. Of course, we didn't tell them it was a fake funeral, um, but they will weigh in about their mom's influence in their life. Yes. One by feet, one by foot. One by foot. Yeah. Uh -oh. <laughs> Uh, another person that we got the chance to speak to was Carter, and Carter is uh, Francis's godmother, and so we had a lot of godmothers uh, yeah. hanging out, yeah. um, but also a good friend of both Mark and Siobhan. So. Yes, yeah, she's on the um, Very cool. Yeah, and then another person that who who was going to weigh in, so I feel like we should say here that like Siobhan gave us a list of people we can contact, but we can contact a couple of people who are not on her list. Um, and you can see her reactions when she's surprised by the people who are talking to her. One person who was on her list and who is just such a lovely person is Grace. And so uh, Grace was Siobhan's student originally uh, here at the University of Oxford and Lecture College. And Grace has become um, a teacher in her own right and also a friend of Siobhan as well. 
Also, this is where the surprises come in. Yeah. Uh, a good friend of ours, Kara, moved away uh, recently, and they were very close. Uh, and so Kara weighed in uh, unbeknownst to Siobhan. Yeah, and, and especially since, you know, not having her in town, Siobhan was uh, very pleased to see Kara in the studio. And we love you, Kara. You love you. Um, and we're so grateful for you. And then another friend that Siobhan was very surprised to see was one Daniel. So Daniel was Siobhan's student. Uh, he is now an incredibly successful, like, if I named names, which I won't, um, you would be stunned, but a very, very successful designer. Uh, and he works with a lot of celebrities. And so Siobhan was so touched. Uh, he had been her student and she had kind of opened up a lot of these doors for him to be like, he can be whoever you want to be. And he ran with that man. He's so successful. And yes. I'm loving his life yes. right now. And so um, you can see if you watch her reaction to the video, just she kind of loses it when she sees Daniel both because teachers are so ready to hear and, and hoping to hear that feedback from their students, um, but also because she knows how busy he is. He's currently by Coastal. He's switching his time between uh, D.C. and L.A. And so for him to make time to talk to us was super meaningful for her. And so we were so grateful to have Daniel here with us. It's all. Absolutely. Yeah. He's fantastic. And we will include a link to his work in our show notes as well as to obviously Siobhan's work. Um, yeah, so we hope you enjoy all these people who came here to celebrate, celebrate Siobhan. Siobhan break. Siobhan, I know, I was like, live your beach. Celebrate. Siobhan. Siobhan. Siobhan, it's paper Irish. You Ma. don't understand. Don't sound it out because you will be flattered to, to um, talk about Siobhan. Uh, um, I met her when I moved to Faculty Drive in June of 20. 20- I was actually trying to remember when we met because I'm thinking it was it's like 20 years ago 20 years ago about probably like early we started working at Governor Scholars Program Siobhan was one of the teachers and I was working in the office there I think people that may have listened to the commencement speech or hear me talk about Siobhan would think that I had her all four years um, at Lynchburg I only had her for a semester. Like, that's kind of a crazy thing about how much of an impact she made on me and how close we became. I am Mark Furlow. I am a Siobhan Burns' husband. Um, we have been married since 2006, December 2nd. It was Friday night, June 29th, 2012, and Siobhan invited me to go watch Magic Mike. A really awesome movie at Venue Cinemas in Lynchburg. And as we were maybe two, two thirds of the way through the movie, the power went out. We had no idea why. And it was because the derecho had just hit Lynchburg. So just like Siobhan, she says, um, let's, let's get in the car and drive home. So <laughs> we drove home. Back to her house on Faculty Drive through ripping uh, branches coming down, leaves all over the place. Insanity. It looks like the worst storm you've ever been in, but there was no rain. So can I cuss? (laughs) Yeah, because that word's going to come up multiple times. Um, So 
I met Siobhan because Lynchburg College forced me to take her class. Oh, so how do you feel about that group of people? Okay, the only way I can describe it is if you've ever gone to the grocery store and the checkout person remembers you and you're like, why am I memorable? Like, or like, well, you know, like, cause I'll do that. I'll go to like Givens and they'll be like, Oh, you're from Long Island. And I was like, how do you remember that? Like, Oh, we talked like the fact that you're memorable, like is like the most like, Oh my God, because it's just like perfunctory in a way, like of what, I get up in the morning and do. And so it is like insane to realize that one, it's amazing to watch that you had an impact on people, but then two, it is amazing. The fact that they remember like that they actually like, because we don't. And I guess that is the thing with funerals. And I love people that do living wakes because I remember and maybe this is ingrained in me as I remember a, a family member had died when I was younger. And they had called my parents up and said, Hey, we want to get flowers. And I remember, I, I honestly remember my mom saying, Oh, that's such a lovely gesture. Let's do it. And then my dad said, no, 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 they died. Like we, we want to get flowers for the funeral. And she's like, fuck that. She's like, why didn't we give it to them when they were alive? I thought they were not feeling well. Like the idea that it is an afterthought so much in funerals and it is not getting up every morning and telling someone like, thank you for like just believing in me because we could be such amazing like and I'm I'm not I oh I feel super selfish even saying that but like I think that the world gets better when we actually start giving a shit like or when you see someone that has that kind of talent and that life in them and you could just boost them up a little bit no it is absolutely beautiful and I don't I feel like I don't deserve it like it's <laughs> oh, I, didn't, I, I just wanted to make a noise and be like, like yes, yes, absolutely. A lot of us talked about in those conversations was how often you apologize. And that's something that made this video. But like, how often you apologize and we're all like, why would you, like, you're doing it so well. So we asked them, when did you know? Siobhan was one of your people. Right. When's the moment that it clicked that you guys were going to be close? I'm not sure if I, there was a particular point that that happened. Um, it, it, it definitely just kind of grew over time. Like I got to um, just sort of fell in love with her uh, sense of creativity. <laughs> like just her creative perspective on the world. It's just so, it's so um fun isn't even the right word it's so like engaging to be around <laughs> i was modeling for her and um if you've ever modeled for siobhan or worked with her making art like everything else falls away we've been making art she wasn't happy with it we kept making art we kept making art and i realized i hadn't eaten anything but and i, I suffered from anger so badly I just remember standing in front of the fridge like piling this pasta salad out of a bowl into my mouth that I, that she had made the night before. And she came in and she just looked at me. She's like, Oh, I forgot again. <laughs> like it was like, and I was like, Oh yeah, I forgot we're real people. Like the art was so critically oh important. I need some too. And so then we literally just ate, you know, this pasta salad out of a bowl together and then went around, went on to the next.
That's true. It was the little orchetta pasta because that's her favorite because it looks like little ears and she loves that. Like, yeah, she loves it. It was her first semester at Lynchburg College too. So, first semester, end of the semester, class is over. I said, let's go get a beer, and she said, and she, you know how she does? She does the thing where she like gets all nervous and does, yeah. Oh my god! Oh my god! So she says, okay, I can have one. So four beers later, we had to call more. And I said, I don't know that meeting a priest is the best idea four beers in for me. So Mark comes in and yeah. Yeah. So the first thing she does is go, Mark, this is Grace. Her favorite word is fuck. Is that all right? I was like, that's really not the way I wanted to meet a priest, but I suppose it's best to go ahead and rip the bandaid off. So that was my first, first moment of knowing Siobhan was my people. It's embarrassing. But it's this thing where, where when Francis was little and she pooped in her diaper, it was this little song. It's something weird that she said. She makes a bird's nest with her legs on the couch, and we get to snuggle in the bird's nest. She makes room to cuddle with both y'all. And she's the one that gets me my clothes, even though now my instead of my long pants, now they're capris, and they're squeezing my my. But I don't know why they do this all. She, they do this all the time, but on the off days, like Saturdays and Sundays, when they're so tired, Siobhan's tired, like lays flat on the floor, or they're watching some sort of Netflix thing or something. They will all pile on top of each other, and like I'll find all three of them in like a pile on the floor, or like folded in on top of each other, and that's that's probably equal to the nest in terms of like, uh, <laughs> yeah, like. Like intimate connection between mother and daughters is basically like, you know, a, t- a pile of fatigue on a Sunday afternoon or something like that. We had an amazing night just uh, getting to know each other a little bit more. And we just talked and played games, played cards, had a blast. And I think that was really the beginning of um, our friendship and how I knew that she was one of my people. Even from the start, she was like, the biggest advocate to help me do what I wanted to do. From that point forward, I was like, this person has my back no matter what. She is going to be this incredible kind of beacon of light and inspiration for me. So the next topic that people talked about, and it's interesting that they talked about this completely on their own, we didn't actually ask this question, uh, was around Siobhan as a mom. So uh, how does she sort of um, present herself as a parent? How is she with her girls? And I really feel like our studio has it all. Uh, as I said earlier, I was a bartender. We had lovely champagne. We had everything that Siobhan needed except for tissues. So even when she heard that we were going to talk about parenting, she was like, where are the tissues? Because this is definitely going to make me cry because it's something that is so important to her. And I think you'll hear in our discussion afterwards is something that um, moms think about a lot in a certain way. No, this is like something I'm super paranoid about. (laughs) As with everything else, with no reason. Siobhan was meant to be a mom. No questions there. So um, she's such a patient and nurturing woman. Um, I think those two things are really necessary, especially in today's society with, with girls in particular. I think um, the, the, 
I love how she inspires her children's creativity and and their and their ability to um explore all kinds of different ways of expressing themselves. I love her her the way that she just encourages Eva to play Eva to play with like the costume design things and that you know dressing dressing and making up the the characters on the screen or whatever. It's it's this way that she encourages creative expression. <laughs> I didn't realize that I was bellyaching like in the early days, <laughs> and like it was like you're man, you're man sick, and I was like, I was like, what? <laughs> and then, then um, I realized like it, that actually was true, and that I had to dig even deeper. She was like urging me to find that depth of energy that can only come out of places you don't know exist, and so that that happened a few times, and now I'm like. Uh, you know, more aware of how much it takes to get through as a parent and like wanting to rise above. She's made me want to rise above to that, that better level. Oh, but okay. So both of you are moms. Do you remember? It was so, uh, I remember after Francis was born, I went back to work like 48 hours later because she was in the NICU and as a like defense mechanism, I was like, I know I'm good at my job. Like I have fucked this up. I am going to go back to work and I will never forget. I had one student yell at me because it was Francis was born on Halloween and I had planned a flash photography shoot in costume. And I was going to have all the students on the stage jumping off of boxes with these elaborate costumes. And we're going to learn how to freeze frame and do trailing shots and all this stuff. And I was collaborating with the sculpture students who had made these inflatables. And that morning I had gone into like full blown preeclampsia and had to cancel class. And Chelsea took my class for me. And I remember this one student coming up and going, I cannot believe that you had us dress up and like do all of this stuff and get so excited. And then you didn't come. And I was like, I am, I'm so sorry. I think the idea, especially in this day and age and knowing what happens to little girls and knowing like how we grow up, I, I know that as a professor and as a teacher, like what a clear cut good teacher is. Like, I know I can do that really well with motherhood. It is like curveball after curveball after curveball. And you think you understand like, Oh, so-and-so is having trouble with reading. Like, I can read. I can teach you reading. I cannot teach reading. Oh my, like, I am so like, my heart goes out to every kindergarten through like eighth grade teacher, because that is a tool, like a complete skill set that I do not possess the patience or the understanding how to break down that kind of kinesiology to teach small things, how to function. I can deal with them later in life. Give me your emos. Give me your college kids. Give me your everything. Like I can deal with that. So this, I'm actually very scared of. <laughs> I think that that's all women, though, right? Like all mothers, it is. It's, it's such a sacred thing. It's such a sacred position, and we always feel like we're doing it wrong. And I think, and hopefully, we'll do some sub episodes about this in the future. But like, I think that's why mothers attack each other so vociferously is they're terrified that someone else is doing it better and that's an indictment of their own mothering. Uh, and I think, like, I usually try to just believe that everyone is doing their best, even if it's different from what I would do. Beth, what you just said is really profound because I feel like that is very 
that is a hundred percent it where I sit there and part of me almost like side eyes to make sure like, okay, this is how you're raising your daughter. Like, am I doing it as good as you are or am I doing it better? And again, with that whole like voyeuristic judgment, because I think at this day and age, like we, you know, we have such a wealth of information and we share so much information knowing the possibilities of what could happen. Like, have you prepared your warrior properly? Like, have you like, I mean, this could be a whole separate podcast. I got very upset that I, like, it, I always, like, the thing I admire about the both of you is that you guys have these wonderful, I don't know if they're defense mechanisms or they're instant reactions, but you have wonderful, like, kind of sarcastic tongue-in-cheek comments that come out. And mine, when I, someone attacks me or says something really horrible to me, three hours later in the shower, I'm like, oh, I should have said that. That would have been fucking brilliant. Oh, my God, yes. Where you have a wonderful processing, like, where you come up with it. and. I think about that with the way that I'm raising my daughters where I'm like, I, I, I want them to have that defense mechanism so that they can say, no, stop. John, one, one thing that came up without prompting with, with every, every single, single person, person was experiences with you and ice cream. I'm like, okay, Grace would be snow cones. Uh, Laura, I would be Dairy Queen. We, when she was pregnant with Aoife, we made this Dairy Queen run. I can't even remember what, what we were doing that we just tacked on this stop at Dairy Queen afterwards, but it, it became like this memory that we kept always trying to relive <laughs> the trip to Dairy Queen. I mean, we've had ice cream in a lot of places over time, actually. <laughs> so I have a lot of ice cream associated memories. I have a pretty epic ice cream story, actually. I have so many ice cream stories about Siobhan, but one in particular. Um, so Siobhan is the reason that I have my person. So she introduced me to my partner um, about seven years ago. And so anyhow, it was right after Aoife had been born. And I think it must have been the first time that Mark and Siobhan got a sitter. And so they decided to go on our date with us. So we basically went on their date. So we went to their favorite Chinese place. We went to did all the activities, but we ended oh up uh, going for ice cream afterwards. And so I just remember us all eating ice cream and just having had this really odd experience of meeting someone who later became very, very important to me. But uh, it was definitely an awkward first date for us. Uh, but that was probably my favorite ice cream story because it was just Siobhan being so energetic and like just wanting to do all the things like first time out after a while. So there is a goat cheese fig and honey gelato that exists. And I actually had it with her that it had existed in Charlottesville because I, I am, I am very particular about my ice cream and gelato and I don't like, I'm like a two year old. I don't like my food to touch. And so we went and we got this, we were going to get gelato and this guy said, you've got to try this. And I'm like, "Mm -mm." but anyway, it sounds terrible to me that that combination of stuff. Well, Javon said, no, we have to try it. And I said, no, I'm getting the coffee gelato because that's, I, I like the chocolate with the coffee in it. I got goat cheese, fig, honey, and the chocolate. And they had to touch, and I was very upset about that. But that <laughs> gelato was amazing. And you would not think those things would be good, but it was delicious. And I tried it because she made me. And Siobhan is not 
pedestrian ice cream. She is more like gelato. I don't think she'd be one flavor for sure. I, I do think she'd be a gelato versus an ice cream. So I know that much. Um, and then like, because she's fancy. Well, I think it's just because she's more intense. Like the flavors of gelato are so much more intense and they take care in how they're made. And I think that that's really how she approaches her artwork and her life. Um, and so I do think probably she would be a little lemon flavor or something, but that wouldn't be the only flavor. I think it's kind of one of those things that I can't name it because I think it's just that special thing that's almost a secret ingredient. So you know you love it, but you can't name it, and you don't know exactly what the combination is. Oh, my God. Yeah, you guys need to have tissues on the next one. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, that is crazy as that, like, as a, like, a thread that goes through my friendships of, like, holy shit, I didn't realize... <laughs> You eat a lot of Also, Grace and I might go into a visit cuffs about uh, shaving ice, but we didn't bring that up. Well, that was what's so funny. It's like the moments that I just said with you ladies of what I remember ice cream experiences with these ones, like Lars was right on um, because I feel like it was a big moment because she's very holistic and very natural. And she like admitted, I, I think it's okay, but the secret that she loves Dairy Queen flurries. <laughs> and it was like this incredible moment in our friendship. Where the best part of it is that like, I am lactose intolerant. So these experiences are absolutely beautiful and I horribly pay for them. This is a woman of great sacrifice, everyone. It's so worth it. Stunning information to me. Like the taste and the sensation of it. How Siobhan makes them feel and makes them feel like on the inside or just how her being makes them feel when they either are around her or when they think about her. And woo, here we go. Beautiful. I think my learning through being with Siobhan has not to prejudge or just jerk knee jerk skepticism like it's like okay what's she gonna do with this and it's like evolved me to be like more and more open and less skeptical to see the um the humanity and the sort of um the uh joyful the joyful outcomes of just her being more who she is inviting others into that orbit um and kind of um showing me and others like how how relationships and friendships and community can be built through that you used the word joyful earlier you know that's it's sort of just it, it it's she brings joy into other people's immediate experiences absolutely um she definitely gives me energy um and kind of that like love of life and zest for it so I think that's, um, I am much more of an introverted extrovert um, now in my life. And so kind of having that experience with her is always really rejuvenating. Um, just being with her always, always makes me feel more full of life afterwards. I usually hurt afterwards <laughs> because I've laughed too much. So and eating too much it's kind of a dual combo of like just wanting to do and see and be all the things all at once we can't spend too much time together because she also causes me to go wild and do things i would not she asked me one time she thought it would be a good idea if we bought a box truck and just traveled around the united states taking large format pictures and i actually went home and started looking for a truck even though i 
even though I knew good and well that was not going to be a good idea. If she, if she says let's do something, I usually just jump in. Yeah, you know, what what time? So she does. It just always felt safe with her. You know, her life better descriptor if she was kind of my safe haven like even though I wasn't out yet with Shivana it's like if she found out she would be incredible when we were at dinner after the commencement speech she was asking my um, me and my fiance about the wedding and had we done anything to plan for it but she knows me she knows what I love and she knows the kind of things that I'm drawn to and she immediately said she's like have you ever heard of Swana Noah and she you know she gets so excited so quickly which I love so much about her and she starts describing this Italian um, mansion built in 1901 that's in Afton Virginia and it has this original Tiffany window and it's got all of these um, old marble fireplaces and it's kind of crumbling it hasn't really been taken care of and it was just exactly what I would have pictured or what I would have wanted. Virginia actually came up with that was really, really fun. And I think I would not be good at answering, but all of Siobhan's people really wanted to answer was if you could get her anything, any gift or experience, if money and time was no object, what gift would you get her? And all of her people really had a fun time thinking about that. And I think that's because... She is really a huge gift giver as well. Like she really knows what people want. Um, literally, I liked her shoes once and she showed up and she bought me a pair. Uh, so that's kind of how she rolls. Uh, so I think people really wanted to be able to at least imaginatively reciprocate that gift giving impulse. So we had a lot of fun with this question and people had a lot of fun answering it. I would buy us a camper and go to Burning Man together. Obviously, the whole camper would be full of different art supplies, right? <laughs> it's like art projects across the country. We did talk about it like 10 years ago about, oh, wouldn't it be great if dot, dot, dot. Now, 10 years later, I'm like, I don't know how great that would be. But, you know, if we had a really comfy camper. It would be moving to Italy for an indefinite amount of time so she can create art. Maybe not, it doesn't have to only be Italy, but like based there and then just kind of all of the, but really to give her that time and space and place where she could do that. So. If I had to give her a free gift, I would fix her a meal of faux crab cakes made out of lion's mane that I found. Because she loves good food, for sure. And so to make that, you know, more accurate to the question, the priceless gift, it's really just the time that I would want to give to her, which is both free and priceless. So splurge-worthy surprises Siobhan loves that little Vespa, and I feel like I could probably get her some random parts that she needs for that, because she likes that little Vespa. She does. And the extravagance unleashed, that would have to be a, an original Sally Man print. We've been talking about this for a while. I guess you guys can see me. I'm, I'm white, but I'm not. I'm not when you photograph me with those large format cameras. I am extreme. I have, I'm a child of the 80s, so I have a lot of sun damage that that thing picks up. So when Siobhan and I are side by side, we look like we're two different races. And so Sally Mann has a picture called Emmett and the White Boy. And it's the same thing. Her son Emmett 
is so tan and there's this little Irish boy beside of him and that's Siobhan. So we have, we have a picture of us standing beside of this picture in a gallery somewhere and it is the funniest thing ever. So I, I think, um, I think I would buy her that print in particular. I would take her back and just take her to Italy with no children. Well, just so we don't have to work. We can just do whatever we want when we're there. Swing back by New York and buy her an Elsa Peretti bone cuff bracelet. So it is, it's a designer for Tiffany and she introduced me to this woman. She actually bought me a necklace when I graduated, when I got my um, master's to celebrate me getting my master's degree. Very elegant lady. But anyway, she's super cool. And Siobhan wants one of these bone cuffs. And I think, I think the last time I looked, the gold one was $23,000. I don't know what the equivalent is of coming up with a perfect wedding venue or changing someone or whatever that is. I want to do that for her. I want to find a way to do that for her. So that, that's, that's my hope. My, my getting to the end of things, which makes me a little sad. Uh, but also the final question really was a doozy and we were not necessarily expecting all of the amazingness that came from it the final question was what do you want siobhan to know about herself or how she makes you feel that you think maybe you either haven't told her or she just really needs to hear and you don't think she gives herself enough credit for something and the answers were amazing, but also in her obituary writing, she kind of pointed out some things that she thought were foibles or flaws um, that she might see in herself. And really this question was to make sure she knows that they are completely unfounded. She's the only one who sees them. She is amazing. All I ever see is this amazing person that, can do just about anything. Like, I don't, I don't know. I just have such a deep respect for somebody that will try anything, even if they know they're going to fail at it. They're going to try it anyway, just to see how far. She has some insecurities that just don't have any basis at all. She's that friend that will do anything for you. And I want her to know how much she is loved and how much... Her energy is infectious and people just enjoy being around her the way that she makes them feel about themselves. And she's just special. Love you, Siobhan. I, I think she knows this, but I just would want her to know if, if I could say, if I were to say this over her grave, <laughs> um, I would say, you know, it's okay if you hate Jesus. Like, it's okay if you do not if you're not where I am on something like, um, you know, m my profession kicks up a bunch of stuff and Siobhan and I've had an on long ongoing conversation about, you know, the, the person of Jesus and she's, she's Irish Catholic and she has every reason to have skepticism and frustration with the church and with, and with Jesus as a person or however she might describe it. I just would want to say, that that is okay that is totally okay i don't love her because she has a particular a particular understanding or idea of 
Jesus or who Jesus is or um, like that's not the point. And we were with a friend the other night and she was we were talking I was like so you know she I said she hates Jesus a whole lot and <laughs> and and the other person was like yeah so so says the person who tattooed her patron saint. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, she's instantly comfortable. She met my fiance for the first time when I was in Lynchburg for the commencement speech, and he fell in love with her instantly. Afterwards, like he got, we got back in the car, and he's like, "I get it. I get why you talk about her all the time. Like I understand. I understand what the big deal is now." And he's like, I can tell that you guys love each other so much. I didn't think I would get emotional talking about it. That's like the... I, I know it sounds so cliche, but it's really the best way that I can describe it. When, when, I, when I think of her, it's so far beyond professor. It's so far beyond even mentor or friend or... She just... She just means the world to me. I would do anything for her. She would do anything for me. I know that, but I want her to know I would do anything. And I wish she would ask me more often. Because I feel like there's this huge debt that I need to repay to her. Like, she... She changed her life. So I, I, I want to be able to do something for her in the same magnitude, you know, something with the same weight, and I don't know what that would be, but, um, I, I think that's something that I want her to know. Like, it's not always what she can do for others, like, please ask me, I, I will do anything, anything. So, it, you know, I can say all the beautiful things in the world about Siobhan, but what's more important is to actually get there and spend that time that we haven't. I want to say that my mom is always trying her best to be her best self. Even though she's a little cray-cray in the house. She can be crazy and she can also be the sweetest and best mom ever. When we found out she was gone, I was really sad. But she's living her best life she can. hard to like keep up those relationships and I'm so excited that you have like the core of like my friend group here, but um, I think I always worry about the connection. Like what is a sincere connection and what is like, yeah, no, this, this is, is this beautiful. Is beautiful. It's, also it's also like, also like oh, my, oh god. my god. You make incredibly <laughs> sincere connections. This is my soothing voice. Um, but no, for real, like, like, like none of these, none these people, people wanted to stop talking about you. Um, and I think that's part of why this is so great is that like, they would all say gushing all these amazing things at your funeral. And even Mark said, right, like, like you're great. I would want you to know this, but he may not have said that ever to you. And the fact that you get to hear all this stuff and like, you read that with you and be like, in those moments of doubt, like, you know what? Like, I actually really have that doubt because my kids think I'm living my best life and my husband thinks it's okay to pay Jesus. Daniel, like, and Daniel thinks, like, it's okay whoever you are. 
because you accepted him for whoever he was. Like, you just need to know that now so you can carry it with you and, like, you're like, okay. Like, or, or I'm just a little skeleton. Mm -hmm. um, um, but whenever when you're sad, you can just, like, pop that in and be like, oh, yeah. Like, like I'm okay. And I don't have to live up to anybody's standards but my own because they're already so sky high. And I've already met them. And so there's... Like, you're there, like, there is nothing more to achieve. Like, right now, you are the person that you thought you said you wanted to be in your obituary. Like, you're, you're already that What we gave you today was a snippet of the time we spent with Siobhan's people and with Siobhan herself. I think we're in the studio for two and a half hours, and our conversation ranged um, from her favorite artists to Muhammad Ali to Cabbage Patch Kids. And yeah, Xavier, Xavier Roberts. Came right. Out. Tattoos Probably on, too much. Tattoos on butts. We really went down that road. Um, and but, lucky for you, we opted not to share that part yes, with that, you. That You're welcome. Pretty, yep, that got pretty embarrassing. Um, we we did not go get tattoos that day, I promise. So None uh, of us have your Roberts tattooed on our butts. Not a single one. We have fun memories, though. Um, so I'm so glad that we were able to share this with you. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you got that serotonin and dopamine boost that we have promised you. And some oxytocin, a little bonding and trust. Yeah. Yes, all of those things. All three. Yeah. Um, and that you will join us again for our next episode. As I, as we said at the beginning, you know, this is our very first time out as podcasters and we jumped right in without realizing, um, that maybe we needed equipment or maybe knew, <laughs> needed to know how to do some things, which we did not know how to do. So we assure you next round, although perhaps not as Shivani. Mm -hmm. um, will be excellent. Uh, and the videoing and the sound will not be as echoey. Right. Um, we're, perhaps we're getting we better as we go. In the Grand Canyon. <laughs> it does sound like it. Yes. <laughs> you found us out this where our studio is, is in the Grand Canyon. Um, yeah, so we will continue to get better and we hope you'll stay with us and give us that chance to continue to get better. Um, even when we were tired, exhausted, you know, we did all of this work after working our actual literal full-time jobs. Um, anytime we interviewed someone or talked to them, we just left on a total high, like hearing all these beautiful things. And so we hope it's had that effect on you as well. Um, and we hope that you will take this experience of giving gratitude and give some gratitude back to us by leaving a review. We really, we're not doing this because we're narcissists or we think that we have, um, okay. Something. Beth's not doing this because she's a narcissist. We're doing this with Virginia as a narcissist. Um, <laughs> but no, we, we really think it's important to have this positivity and this happiness in the world. And so we hope that you'll share this, uh, podcast with your friends and, you know, warn them about the echoes, tell them it'll get better. Maybe um, some of the swear words. Yeah. Yeah. So they weren't always, there won't always be as many swear words, but we hope you'll leave us a review and follow us and listen to us again. Um, one really exciting thing about this podcast that is unique is we are always going to be looking for new people to throw a funeral for. So, uh, if you look at our show notes, you'll find a way that you can actually nominate someone to be the subject of a podcast to be our next Siobhan. And we hope that you will and tell us a little bit about their story so we can know, um, who we should choose to talk to and talk about and celebrate while they're still here. Uh, and it's okay if they are long distance. Uh, we can throw a funeral, a virtual funeral. Um, and really, we want to know who you care about and who you think needs to know how important they are. Because we just want to shower them with the love and the gratitude that they deserve and really show people that the world is better when 
we actually start caring. We hope you'll watch our second episode, which is with a local celebrity, Tarsha Joyner, who has been on the Food Network. She's been on actually kind of a lot of reality shows, a Canadian show that made over her bakery. Um, she's kind of a big deal. We're excited to have her on the podcast. All right, folks, the funeral's over. We know you've never been so sad to see a funeral end. But the good news is now you get to just go live your life and not just any life, but your best life. You get to determine what barriers are stopping you from doing what you've dreamed of. You get to decide who actually deserves your time and energy and who deserves to see the authentic you. Who do you want to be making memories with? We hope you'll keep that in mind. Until next time.